Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This may be the first time this has happened since we started this. But you, uh, you came in, you, you, you said, here's my song. And I've been searching, but I don't, I don't know if this is, this is from the soundtrack, but I don't know if this is the song you're looking for. Maybe it's just the overture with no words. <laughs> the song is, oh wait, they might start singing. You can hear, you can hear the tune, here it'll come. I think this will be it. <laughs> here it comes. <laughs> I think it's just there the it overture. It's, it's around the world in 80 days. There it is. There it is. Let's see. In At least it's the harmony. <laughs> okay, so I came through with something. You did. <laughs> well, so here's the bad part about all of this. The reason you were struggling to find it is I actually woke up singing this version of the song Around the World in 80 Days, but in the tune that Eddie Murphy sang it in in one of his stand-up comedy routines where he says some off-color language. <laughs> so yeah. who else in this movie? I have no clue. I, have, I remember the name of the movie, but I couldn't tell you one Well, they went it. around the world in a balloon, in a balloon right? right? Yeah, yeah, they were in a balloon in 80 Days. I don't know, was it Cary Grant? I don't know. Oh, I got nothing on this one. I don't know. Well, hold on. I, I know it wasn't Eddie Murphy. I do know that it was not an Eddie Murphy movie. <laughs> but I was like little, like my first movie memories of things were like things like this. And you remember that movie, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World? Oh, yeah. Those movies was like giving me anxiety because they were like, <laughs> they were frantic. There's like so much going on. Being up in a balloon for 80 days. <laughs> um, let's see. It's uh, set in a, an iconic hot air balloon with Phileas Fogg. And- <laughs> Phileas? Phileas? Passe Partout. <laughs> Wait, Wait, hang on. Are you on the onion site? <laughs> Would you like to phone a friend? Because our friend Joyce is on line one. Joyce has information about the song that is in question. Hi, Joyce. Welcome to Good Morning BT. Good morning. How are y'all? Hey, Good. Joyce. Well, I would like to change. Hey, hey Joyce, you're going to have to. Around the world in 80 days. Uh huh. What's playing at the Cinema 1 and 2 Theater at Charlottetown Mall. I was the cashier there. <gasps> this was in 1964 or early 65 when my husband and I were dating. What? And we saw bits and pieces of the whole movie. And not until like 30 years later did I ever see the whole movie. Bits and pieces. Oh, my God. Well, she was working the whole time. <laughs> So we, we we saw it whenever we could, whenever we took a break. Hey, uh, Joyce, I hear myself in the background. That if you, you might want to turn your radio down because there's a delay going on. So if, sorry, that's all right. Joyce, I love that you. So who was who who was in the movie that you saw bits and pieces of? Do you know who the actors were? Eddie Murphy. Julius <laughs> <laughs> no, Fogg. I was. This was the original. This yeah, was, no, I know. I know. Uh, there was. Um, <laughs> Oh, so many of the good people. Uh, but it was just wonderful. It was, it, you got to see things that we would never have seen before. Oh, well, now I want to go see it. Isn't it you funny that I know the song, but I've never seen the film? Yeah, how is that? I have no clue. 
Well, it does bring back memories of Charlottetown movie theaters. That's all a lot oh, of. Oh, I love that place. As Bo says, there's maybe someone out there today that needs to hear that song. <laughs> and it was That's Joyce. Right. It was Joyce. Joyce wanted to hear that song because it, it brought, brought back, back memories. memories. Well, there you go, to Joyce. Her heart. It's been gone three years, so it brought back good memories. You're good. Oh, well, now we, now we know why it happened. Joyce, I feel like jumping through this microphone and giving you a big old hug. Well, yeah, you're getting one right back. Well, there you go. There you go. Y'all, now, I had no clue. Much we learned about that movie and I wonder Joyce if it, and you and everyone. Everybody's I wonder connected, guys. If this song spoke to anybody out there, but it was the Eddie Murphy version. Oh. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, then you know, and then you might think worse of me. You might think bad thoughts <laughs> that that version is was in my head. This music doesn't say Eddie Murphy to me. No, no, definitely, it definitely it not. Well, apparently there was a 2004 remake of the movie Around the World in 80 Days with Hans Zimmer was the. I just pulled up the soundtrack, but then that's not, that's not going to sound like this. Jackie Chan was in it. Yeah, and yeah. Steve Coogan. That's the first one I pulled up, and I thought that can't be the one. Oh, and Jim Broadbent was in it. Well, apparently, like I, I, I bet a million bucks, it probably has like an updated version of this song. You know, randomly, we're talking about Charlottetown Movie Theater. I remember the last movie I saw there. I do too, actually. You do? Yeah. Or she what remembers was the last movie you saw there. <laughs> if I'm thinking, is this is that the was that the one that's on Providence? This is the one that is where the Metropolitan used to be. It used to be behind uh, what they called Outlet Square, which was yeah. Midtown Square. Yeah. Oh. Down there on what did they now call Charlottetown? Like, used to be the end of oh, Independence. Oh, then I'm thinking like of King's the, Drive or yes. whatever. Over okay, way. no, never mind. Joe versus the volcano. Oh, the classic. The classic. Yes. You thinking of the Manor Theater? Manor Theater. Yes. On, on Providence. Yes. That's Providence. Right? And I know what the last movie was I saw there. Same here. What'd you see? In the bedroom. Ooh, creepy. It was the one Kinky. that. No, it, no, no. Hang on. It won an Academy Award. Hey now. Well, you know what? I saw Moonlight there, which also won an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Because they were that kind of a theater, right? Yeah. <laughs> they did those high wait, a, wait a minute. You, you know that movie in the bedroom, right? That's I the do Mar- not. Marissa Tomei and. Uh, I didn't. I never googled it, that one. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. It won an Academy Award. She doesn't know it, but she knows the music to yeah. it somehow. There's a the firewall th- over here for that one. I'm exactly. Looking. I know the theme song. It won an Academy Award, and I hated it. Hold on. Let me go into That's my terrible. incognito browser over here. And see <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, so Joyce, wait a minute. Joyce rescued you. Somebody out there has to have seen In the Bedroom. I'm sure it was great. I love Marissa Tomei. I'm sure it was great. Oh. It was in that back room at Blockbuster I told you about. I think, I think the special the, movies. I think the bigger story here is I've seen an, an Oscar-winning movie. That is, I've actually seen what somebody thinks is like a, a, a critically acclaimed film. That is big news, actually. And you hated it, though. <laughs> well, you know, can't win them all. <laughs> uh, 613 on WBT. Listen to this. Uh, some breaking news late yesterday. Did you hear about this? A robocall in New Hampshire uh, using Joe Biden's AI-generated voice was sent to a lot of people who, you know, maybe you know somebody in New Hampshire who got it. But uh, this has been a big deal, and we wondered how AI was going to figure into things here in 2024. It's already happening, and Teresa Payton's going to be on a day early to help us make sense of this and talk. I actually have the audio of it, so I'll play it for you when we come back. Uh, and it sounds like Joe Biden. It really does. Uh, traffic check right now. Here's Boomer Von Cannon. Hey, Bo, you were talking about the cinema. Is that the one on, uh, well, it's near King's Drive at Charlottetown? Charlottetown. Yeah. Uh-huh. At one time, that was the busiest intersection in the state of North Carolina. 
Because wow. uh, Charlottetown was still Independence at that time. It was Independence Boulevard at Kings. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it used to be that Independence Boulevard technically yeah. ended at that little right, right where the where the Wendy's is yes, now. Yes. And uh, and then now they've now they've renamed that portion Charlottetown. Charlottetown. But it used to be all Independence. It was all Independence. Uh-huh. It was the busiest, and radio stations would fight to get that billboard at the intersection because of so much traffic at that. Oh intersection. yeah, no yeah. way. We're talking early seventies, early mid seventies. That's a cool little tidbit of info. I have a cool tidbit. Yes. Of info. Yes, Shirley MacLaine in the original Around the World in 80 Days. Oh, it's oh, your world. With, Ed, with Eddie Murphy. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's the one who put that song in your head because you're a psychic. Hey, well, yeah, and she, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. been around the world in 80 seconds, I think. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I have whiplash. <laughs> also a great movie that was an Oscar winner. <laughs> Not as good as in the bedroom. Kind of like Snidely whiplash. Yes, yeah. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Bo and Beth here. We promise it's really us. You know why I'm saying that? Have you heard about this? Actually, let me play it for you. This is a robocall that began circulating yesterday. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. That apparently is an AI-generated fake robocall that sounds sounds a lot like uh, the president, does it not? It surely does. I mean, if you don't believe, I mean, he even used, I got one more here. He even used this word. Malarkey. Play that one more time. Malarkey. Even uh, I mean, even saying the malarkey thing. So this became this this hit the the wires yesterday, and uh, you can imagine. Look, we're on the lookout for this stuff, um, but I I'm, I'm just imagining maybe uh, you know the voter the voter electorate in New Hampshire uh, that is more prone to scams like this, like 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 seniors. We hear about these scams all the time oh, where yeah. they try and they, and they get. Uh, uh, duped out of their money and this kind of thing. So here we now have it uh, manifesting in an election, and we wondered how AI was going to figure into things. So uh, one day early, because this story broke yesterday, I wanted to bring on Teresa Payton, our cybersecurity expert, Fortalist Solutions. Teresa, good morning to you. Good morning, Beth and Bo. And this is not a robocall deepfake audio. This is really me, and it's great to talk to you. <laughs> so when you heard this yesterday, what did you think? Well, I, I was disappointed that this day is here. I mean, Beth and Bo, we've been talking about this for a while, and um, and but there are a couple of things that I think the good news is is that if you are in a moment where you pick up that phone and you listen, there's a couple of things that are off. Right, his voice sounds a little hollow. His cadence isn't uh, President Biden's normal cadence of his voice. Um, And it does sound a little kind of like recorded, robotic, over-edited. So I think if you have a moment to pay attention, it's obvious. But the question is, what happens the next time when it's not so obvious? I think the other thing that um, really struck me was whoever did this to the voters of New Hampshire, they went that extra step. They actually spoofed the phone number. So when you got that robocall coming into your cell phone, the caller ID said that it was from um, Kathy Sullivan. And um, so you might think it, it, it sort of gives it an air of authenticity. Kathy Sullivan is the former state Democratic Party chair who runs a super PAC for the Biden campaign. So I, I, there's so much to unpack here. How do you and can can 
I, I don't know, law enforcement? I don't know who looks into this. How do you find who's behind it? And if it's someone, if it's a nefarious actor outside of the U.S., say it's in Russia, say it's Iran. I mean, because we know that foreign entities, foreign governments are and have quote unquote hacked into our election process, you know, by by sending out misinformation, disinformation. And this is kind of the next level of that. What can be done if this isn't somebody within the United States? Not a whole lot, unfortunately. And again, this goes back to we don't have international accords that really talk about um, meddling in other countries' elections. And if you if you have citizens found to be meddling in other people's elections, other countries' elections, what are the repercussions for that? And, uh, you know, and here we are. The technology has outpaced the international laws and the international agreements on this. And, you know, to your point, Beth, um, it, how are we going to do attribution on this? So obviously there's an investigation underway. But I'm assuming that the platform that was used to generate the deep fake audio, probably a free platform. The platform that was used to spoof the phone number, if it is a paid-for marketing platform, they probably used aliases. Um, Might have even set up a shell American company to pretend it was coming from an American company. We saw um, where nation states did this in the 2016 and 2020 elections where they set up fake companies and then use those to tap into marketing resources, which can be used for good, but in this case, obviously used to try to manipulate voters. Well, and you can see it happening on both sides. They could very easily have done the same thing with President Trump's voice and, you know, said something like, hey, you know, uh, no need to come out. Uh, The weather's bad. We've already got this thing in the bag and try to manipulate numbers that way. And, And again, when you listen i'm glad you said what you said about the you, you can hear the slight edits in uh in the the audio that we played but we're we were expecting to hear that right like if somebody said i want you to hear this fake audio you'd uh, you you'd be listening for for notifications or indications that something was off if you hear that audio and you're just passing by right. or sometimes when you see, hear something you know that goes through a couple of layers of of uh, of barrier like like uh, if we're talking right now uh, in this microphone, there are certain edits that you can't hear if that pass through the filter of a phone, right? Well, and if you're busy, say you're making dinner that, while yeah. you're listening to this, and you're listening to it on your speakerphone in a voicemail form, yeah. or you know. So I instead mean, of instead of uh, you know concentrating all your attention to just that audio that we played, listen to it as if you're walking through a room and you're walking. You know, th- those things can be missed, yeah, and when yeah. the voice sounds that close, and 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 it and sometimes. Sometimes it is that voice that's just taken because we've done this on the air, Teresa, where you actually, you know, I may, Beth and I did this on the air one day where we had uh, you and me uh, talking to each other. Then you plug that into a system. Now, what it spit out wasn't verbatim us, but I've heard other examples of where it did it a lot better. And this mm-hmm. is one of those cases. No, it is. And again, I think for everybody listening to your show, a couple of things to think about. So, if you get one of these robocalls, and you're right, it could just as easily be Trump's voice or one of the candidates that have dropped out of the race, their voice. It only takes about 30 seconds of somebody's voice that you can pull from anywhere, a news interview, our radio interview, and then you can plug it into these deep fake audio platforms and have it saying things that person never said mm-hmm. um, with some level of you know, kind of audio fidelity where it sounds like, well, I don't know, maybe Teresa or Bo or Beth said that. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. So if you get one of those calls, one of the things you can do 
is take part of what they said and go to the campaign website and see on the campaign website, are they saying the same thing? So if it's saying things like, you don't need to go out and vote or you need to take this action, go look at the campaign website and see whether or not on the official website it resonates what was just sent to you. That's going to be the best way to do your fact-checking. To your point, you might be busy, you might be cooking dinner, you might be driving the kids somewhere when you're hearing this voicemail. And so that can be a great way to sort of just cross-check by going to a different official source. we got to stop it there. We're up against the clock. Teresa, uh, thank you. We'll watch this story and stay in touch with you. Thank you, Beth and Bo. Be safe out there. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I did not have time to say this last segment, but I want to make sure I do. Teresa Payton, our longtime cybersecurity expert, today... The link, the pre-order link is going live for the new second edition of her book, Manipulated, available in ebook and paperback. So this new version, Manipulated, Inside the Cyber War to Hijack Elections and Distort the Truth, is going to be available uh, coming up in April. But the pre-order link goes today. Like, this is breaking news on this show. Nobody else knows this yet. And that's incredibly timely, given what we just had the conversation about and because the New Hampshire primary is happening today and we're already seeing AI generated an AI generated call infiltrate the election cycle. Um, another housekeeping note. <laughs> By the way, before we move on from this, if you want to uh, see information about uh, manipulated, you can pre-order, go to amazon.com, type in Teresa Payton manipulated and, and you will see the link. And I'll we'll also see if we can post this later. Um, which is, I, I have her original version of Manipulated. It's a fantastic book, and it's one of those, like, must-read, especially if you're concerned about technology and your own safety and your own security. Um, on a different housekeeping note, the song that I woke up to today was Around the World in 80 Days. There was a gentleman who was hanging on the line for a bit. He sent us a message at GMBTShow at WBT.com, and Dan said, I waited on the phone line, but I had to go into work. <laughs> the version of that song that Beth is remembering was not Eddie Murphy. It was a stand-up routine by Whoopi Goldberg in the mid-80s. She had a character named Fontaine who sang that song. The MF and all. <laughs> Can I say that? Can I say that? Translation don't bother searching for this one because you can't play it either. Exactly. And then he said, by the way, Beth, I still sing in my head every once in a while as well. Have a wonderful day, Dan. So, Dan let us know that that song, I was thinking it was an Eddie Murphy stand up routine that I was waking up singing. But it's more delightful if it's the actual song from the film. And we had lovely calls from like Joyce, who was listening, who went to see that film with her, her husband. So, you know. She had a whole different experience. It all, exactly. It all comes full circle. And it's all love. See what you do? You bring it. <laughs> now, um, I know what you were about to say. Yeah. And you're going to have to hold on for a second so we can get back on time here. I just put chapstick on and it made me think of it. Well, see, I may have to sit out this next conversation. Well, I'm so shocked. And I don't want you to admit this yet because I want people to stick around. I am shocked that you don't have to use this. Shocked. Shocked. I mean, shocked. I have used it. I just, I mean, it's been a long time and it's not You like drink a... no water. I don't know how you don't have to use this. I don't know how you don't have stock in this. It no. seems like you're, mm, I can't I, give it away. I bet it's been 10 years since I, since I used it. How? How? I don't know. How? I don't know. I just, uh, something doing something right. You must be oily. <laughs> I'm, 
I don't think I am. WBT, where business talks. Presented by Ram Pavement. Good morning. We're nine in front of seven o'clock here on WBT. Let's rewind to the market close yesterday. Wall Street continues into record territory, feeding a momentum from last week's highs. The Dow closed above the 38,000 mark for the first time ever. On the day, the Dow added 138 points. The Nasdaq jumped 49. The S&P 500 gained 11. The Dow winners, Walgreens Boots Alliance, Walt Disney, and United Health. The decliners, Home Depot, Nike, and McDonald's. Oil prices rose as traders saw supply tighten due to conflicts in the Middle East as well as Ukraine. Bitcoin fell to a seven-week low. At one point, the cryptocurrency was trading below 40000 And pilots at Southwest Airlines expected to get a pay raise. Tom Graham, Fox News. So after yesterday's record-breaking day for the Dow, futures this morning are down a bit, down 78. S&P futures down 0.25. NASDAQ futures are up 7. Will you just come get me? No. Well, will you do me a favor then? What? Can you bring me my chapstick? <laughs> no, Napoleon. But my lips hurt real bad. Just borrow some from the school nurse. I know she has like five sticks in her drawer. I'm not going <laughs> to use hers, you sicko. See ya. <laughs> oh, idiot. All right, so the thing that Beth is so shocked that I never use, I've used it in my life, but I bet it's been 10 years since I used chapstick. Or any kind of lip balm, period. Yeah, I don't. No aquaphor. No. <laughs> aquaphor. I don't even know what that is. The free one from the dentist that you go to? <laughs> they were short the little baggie with a little toothbrush. Yeah, there's always chapstick or like some form of lip balm in your in your dentist really? baggie. Really? Yeah, there's floss in there. There's all kinds of stuff. I get floss in a toothbrush, but I, well, obviously I don't use the lip balm if I get it. I can't even remember it's if I get usually marketing. It. They just have their ads on it. I don't even understand this because Bo Thompson drinks zero water. He drinks diet soft drinks all day, every single day. And if I don't drink my normal like 120 ounces of water, my lips get dry. In fact, just talking about this, I put on lip balm because my brain thought my lips were getting dry just because we were talking about it so much. I mean, you're sitting here like... Do my lips look dry to you? They never do. (laughs) Just make it... I've never seen... They don't feel dry. Maybe I I look like I have chapped lips, but I don't think I do. I've never seen you with crusty lips, come to think of it, and you're never over there, like, peeling skin (laughs) off Exactly. So, I'm just saying, I got nothing against lip balm or chapstick. I just don't ever need it. Well, tell me if you would buy this lip balm. If, If you... Even though you don't use lip balm, would you buy this? The uh, the folks at Burt's Bees, do y'all know the Burt's Bees stuff that they have at like CVS? And they have the folks at Burt's Bees have teamed up with Hidden Valley Ranch uh, and they have launched uh, a savory set of lip balms that taste like a basket of buffalo wings. Yeah. <laughs> and this is not a lie. And what started out, guys, this is what's so crazy about this. What started out as an April Fool's Day prank in 2022 became a reality last week. Here are the flavors. It is a limited edition, quote, Ranch Dippers lip balm set. Crunchy celery, fresh yeah. carrot, buffalo sauce, and ranch flavors. And Burt's Bees recommended to layer them for <laughs> maximum flavor. Idiot. <laughs> but here's the thing this is why we're talking about it in the business segment it was launched on wednesday the set cost eleven dollars and 99 cents it sold out in hours and now people have the set up for resale on the internet for 250 dollars 
Play idiot again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hang on. For two hundred dollars, idiot. Two hundred fifty. Two hundred fifty dollars. Fifty dollars, idiot. For ranch flavored lip balm, buffalo flavored lip balm. You know what? You could just go get a hot wing, spread it on your lips. They're kind of oily. For the same price, for twelve bucks. Probably less. You when probably I did less. use chapstick, I like the cherry chapstick. Oh, so you like the okay? But the isn't, classic. Isn't the point of chapstick that smells like cherry? So you're you smell good. It seems to me like what you're having. You put uh, Hidden Valley Ranch lip balm on, then you. Gotta go gargle mouthwash or something. Smell like beef and cheese. Yeah, I mean, you're not the real <laughs> well, Santa. I don't, I don't know that I've ever smelled <laughs> smelled somebody's. No, 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 no. But listen, ball. hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> isn't isn't like, the reason that it's... you smell like cherry? <laughs> okay, never mind. No, but I will say that it does. As I said, I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> what did the what did the, some... the buffalo burn? I would think so, because hot sauce, when you eat hot wings, your lips burn. It'd be like being Texas Pete, huh? But, so I would say, I've never smelled somebody's lip balm be so strong that I could smell their lip balm, but I do remember, do you remember, I had like kissables? Did you have kissables? Oh, you probably didn't have kissables, but they were like these Come things. on, I, don't, I haven't used chapstick in 10 years. <laughs> but in like middle school or high school, you had like the kissables lip balm that tasted like blackberries, or, or and you would put it on and you'd be like... Do I seem kissable? And then you I can love how you're looking at me, like, like waiting for me to say, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry." Did you, ever, up, sweetie. did you ever kiss anybody who had flavored lips? Uh, I can tell you what I didn't do is I never kissed anybody who smelled like uh, ranch, ranch celery, or celery, or celery. Okay, now as much as I love hot sauce, I'm I, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you I would not be mad if Craig put on buffalo flavored <laughs> lip balm. Well, just after he's had a couple of wings, just do the same well, yeah. same thing. Well, yeah, but I would kind of like. I think that maybe is this more about kissing, or is it more about just licking your own lips? Is it which one is it? Who wants the taste of celery, anyways? Yeah, celery. Really. Is it? <laughs> Am I the weird yes. one here? Give us the one with beef and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> this tastes like beef stroganoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stroganoff. That's what I want. But it's it's like a dream for people who love savory flavors. You know, it's like the Willy Wonka. Hey, clam chowder. Exactly. <laughs> a barbecue babe. Yeah. Think of all the things you can Exactly. Make. You could do savor because all Is of the Is that nacho cheese Doritos? <laughs> oh, I'd be so in. Because all of the lip balms are sweet. They're all sweet. We're finally coming up for all the savory folks out there. Kissable lip balms yeah. for people who like savory yeah, foods. The great taste of gravy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, radio you can smell. 706 on WBT, Tyboyd Studio Strong on a Tuesday morning, January 23rd. New Hampshire is voting today. Primaries all day long coverage tonight. Zoki's back in the house today, and uh, here we have breaking Panthers news over the last uh, 24 hours here. And it, it, look, uh, some people may know Dan Morgan, and some people may not. We we often forget how how many people are coming in and out of this town each day. And and for those of us sitting in this room, like Zoki, you go all the way back back to the beginning with this team. Dan Morgan, we obviously know a lots about Dan Morgan, former linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. I saw uh, somebody post yesterday. Uh, this guy was was Luke Keekley before Luke Keekley was here. And, uh, and this guy has spent the last 
um, what, decade or so, sort of learning the ropes of being uh, uh, in the front office of a team and working his way up. And now, yesterday, uh, he gets handed the reins. Dan Morgan is now the GM of the Carolina Panthers. The question I have is, is how does this play with Panthers fans? Because some fans may say, oh, yeah, Dan Morgan. Love Dan Morgan when he was here. Uh, that's a great, great opportunity for Dan Morgan. I'm all, all for it. And then some people may say, okay, Dan Morgan was the assistant to the guy that just got fired who got us into this, this mess in the first place. So it's, it's sort of a weird dynamic, I think, uh, as Charlotte sports fans are waking up to this news and they heard about it late yesterday. Yeah, it, you know, this is a kind of position that's hard to judge until they get into it and see what he does with the draft, what he does with uh, free agency and so forth. And uh, obviously it'll be a big part of hiring the next coach now. They got that in place, which I'm glad they did that, got the GM in place first and then have that as part of the process of hiring the next head coach of the team. Uh, but, you know, Dan's a great guy, first of all, was a great football player here. And to your point, the pedigree of he was with Seattle, he was with Buffalo. Uh, he's been here, so he's got tons of experience. So he's you know immensely qualified for the job. And uh, it really is one of those things you just have to kind of sit back and wait and and, uh, and see where they go with the, the roster moves. Is this common for a former player to end up as a general manager of a team? Has that happened often? Sometimes. I know like uh, like the 49ers are really good. John Lynch was a really good safety in this league, and he um, he didn't have much experience. And uh, he's, he's done really well, obviously. They got Christian McCaffrey <laughs> from us. That was a good trade. Uh, so that, uh, that, that does happen occasionally, but typically it's not that route. But... Um, you know, Dan is, is, you know, they go up through the scouting departments, and he was a director of player personnel, so he's, he's really gone through all the steps of getting to be where he is now with the GM job. You know, the NBA, you see this, uh, uh, I mean, I can think of names like Joe Dumars and uh, Danny Ferry used to play for Duke. You know, they're uh, in, in pro sports, it's not unheard of. Uh, I wouldn't say it's common necessarily, but uh, but in this case, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what, what goes on from here. I mean, I'm looking around the league, and, and obviously – uh, it looks like Belichick is close to landing somewhere. It sounds like Harbaugh is close to landing somewhere. Uh, Mike Vrabel is still out there. Um, what are you thinking as you look ahead to uh, the the head coach move the Panthers may make? I mean, they haven't they haven't, to my knowledge, had any of those people I just mentioned in for interviews. No, those are the like the kind of the strong personality types of uh, all the ones you mentioned. And Belichick's had two interviews with Atlanta. I know Harbaugh's scheduled for a second one. With the Chargers, could still go back to Michigan. They've offered to make him the highest-paid coach in college football if he'll come back to Michigan. Uh, Mike Vrabel's considered, again, a really uh, strong personality as far as setting the culture of an organization. They seem to be more in the mode here of um, doing the thing where it's collaborative. So I think with Dan Morgan staying in-house uh, and just uh, having more than one voice kind of structuring what this team is, they don't seem to be going that route, as you said. They're not interviewing uh, those, those type of personalities. So here's the question that's probably on everybody's mind, thinking that they, you know, they, they, they did hire from within and we did not have a great season this season. The, probably the question on people's minds is how much influence did Dan Morgan have on the decisions that were being made over the past year or two? where was he in all of this and if he was very active in it how do we feel about the seasons Mm -hmm. coming up moving forward Mm -hmm. you know that's probably what as far as the past thing yeah what's driving people this morning i guess you know one of the positives too is because he's here he's familiar with the roster you know he's familiar with what has happened over the past couple years here so whether he probably didn't obviously have the biggest say in that since he was not the GM and uh, there's ownership and other folks that had coaches who had say so in a lot of stuff. He obviously had his input, but uh, now he's, he's got his chance to kind of be in a more of a lead position here. But it does help that he 
was here when they drafted Bryce Young and probably knows what's needed to help fix the problem. Yeah. Like the problem's here. We can't really undo the fact of what happened in the past, but may have some insight having seen what happened of what, what needs to occur to, to work because obviously Bryce will be the thing they continue to build around. One name that I have heard or had heard, it doesn't matter now, uh, mentioned in Panthers circles was Brian Callahan with the uh, the, the Bengals. And it, uh, he's off the board because they announced that he's going to be the next coach of the Tennessee Titans yesterday. And this is interesting, Ron Rivera, who uh, obviously was ousted in Washington, uh, is going to interview for the Eagles' D.C. job. Mm-hmm. So. Rivera could be back on the sidelines quicker than we maybe thought, not as a head coach, but as a as an as a difference maker. Yeah, no, and he had said that you know he was willing to do that, and that's kind of where he would have to, I would think, uh, go at this point because he's been a head coach a couple times now, and it didn't go well in Washington, didn't end well uh, with the Panthers. Despite he was two time coach of the year in this league, that shows you how much things can change in this league. But I think you know that's what he likes to do, and he came from that those roots of being a defensive coordinator, and a lot of times you do that and uh, you get another shot. At, at being a head coach, if he wants that opportunity, could happen again. And he's always been very good on the defensive side of the ball and uh, had obviously had success as a head coach in this league. So I hope it works out for him if that happens. And the head coach, Nick Sirianni, is supposed to have a news conference later today, and he's part of the news conference. So you would assume that sounds like they're bringing him back. There's been some speculation as to whether or not they would. I mean, the Eagles uh, were the, were the, had the best record in the league at one point, and um, – if Rivera goes there, you talk about a team that ended poorly, ended really badly. But, you know, if you had taken a snapshot of them, uh, I mean, most people would have said a third of the way into the NFL season, that's the Super Bowl favorite. Mm-hmm. And you look at what happened to them. So Rivera could be going into a really good situation if they can get it back on track, right? Yeah. No, and I, I should, to me, it shows how fickle things are in this league. They, the Eagles played in the Super Bowl last year. They were 10-1 and this year. Wheels came off, no doubt, down the stretch. That happened. Um but you're going to fire the coach? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, why not just tweak and fix whatever went wrong over a couple-week period? But it's like, there's 32 teams. Only one team can win the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just like, I feel like you buy more time by having just been in last year's Super Bowl and being 10-1 and one this year. It's like, they were like, around Thanksgiving, like one of the great teams in the NFL. Yeah, well, that was Thanksgiving. It's New Year's now. So. <laughs> I was riding into work today, and I was I was flipping around, and I heard, I think it was on ESPN Radio, somebody you know, I, it, it may just be a hot take. I don't know if this one goes anywhere, but, you know, we did see Buffalo lose again over the weekend, mentioning Bill Belichick as a possible. No. I thought you were going to say Bill co- Napier. Well, yeah. Oh, this was your chance. That's the ace in the hole. Was- <laughs> you can't get a Bill Napier. <laughs> now there's no way within the division to do that. They said that would be, he he would love to thumb his nose at New England. Uh, they need a and they said that they need a they need a coach who is uh, a boss, not a peer. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just saying what you know. This is now, as we say, silly season when all kinds of speculation runs rampant. So who are those coaches that are bosses, not a peer? That who are who are those besides Belichick? Belichick and Harbaugh would certainly be in that that category. I mean, Harbaugh had success. Don't forget, he took the 49ers to mm-hmm. a, a Super Bowl. Uh, in the NFL, that's why he's getting all these interviews. At Wait, the NFL this is level. a different Harbaugh. This is a uh, John. No, this is this Jim Harbaugh. John's his brother who coaches. John's Baltimore. with Baltimore. Yeah, they're brothers. Mm-hmm. But Jim Harbaugh, who's at Michigan, who just won the national championship, he had success in San Fran. They let him go anyway because he was so hard to get along with. So you talk about difficult, strong personalities. Bernie's disappointed in me. Not a peer. Not a peer. 
<laughs> All right. Traffic check now. Here's Boomer. And didn't John coach here for a while there? Uh, so he was an assistant coach here at Harbaugh. Well, and Jim Harbaugh was played quarterback. He finished his career here, here. As, yeah. a, as a backup quarterback. Now, I think John was an assistant coach, I believe, with, uh, with uh, Seifert was here. Yeah, special teams. Yeah. And he's related to the Michigan Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Brother still. Well, it goes around. Comes and their around. dad, Jack Harbaugh, was a coach. Yeah. Runs in the family. <laughs> there you That's go. strong DNA. That's all the Harbaugh's I know. I'm out. Okay. All right. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. <laughs> all right. We have some breaking show news to tell you about. Want uh, Bernie to pull up to the microphone for a second. Bernie, of course, is uh, one of our producers here and one of our favorite people in this building, and uh, does such a great job in so many ways for us. But we have breaking Bernie Bowles news. Hey, Bo. Hey, hey. Beth. Hey, Jim. Hey, John. <laughs> hey, Bernie. What are you doing here? I just just got here. Bernie. Hey. hey. So I know you still worked here. I did. Uh, I didn't either. I just Speak, show up. Speaking of getting here, <laughs> so um, yesterday. I went uh, with my wife to our first ultrasound, <gasps> and we wow. are having a baby. Yay! Yeah, yeah. That, we get that another Bernie. A big time applause, yeah. right there. So I'm really excited, but we're you know we're nervous. This is our first child, and um, I have many nieces and nephews. I have one nephew and many nieces. There, I have four sisters, um, one little boy in the family other than me. So I'm hoping for a boy, but just want a healthy baby overall. Um, but really excited. Got to see the heartbeat yesterday. Didn't get to hear it. It's, she's still pretty early, but. Um, and when it, when is she due? Uh, September fourth is okay. their is their estimated due date. But oh, we're in Labor Day. In Labor Day. In Labor. Oh and I made the dad joke in the room yesterday. Nobody laughed. Okay. It was perfect. I would have laughed. It was perfect. I wasn't invited to the ultrasound. First official dad joke. You weren't invited. <laughs> How was I? I'm your best friend. How was I? Well, you were off yesterday. I would have asked. Oh, you're you to, right. That's I would have right. asked you to ride along. We could be complaining. I wasn't even in town. Well, you leave, you left. You would you would have left around the same time I left yesterday at nine o'clock. So. I feel yes. like Emma might hard. have been a little uncomfortable if you had just shown up, Jim, and been like, "I'm here. I'm here." Birdie's best friend. The lighting in the rooms when they do the ultras it's very the mood like it's not the fluorescent lights beating down on you it's very they dim the lights you're like wow i could go to sleep so you can here. see the baby you could go to sleep in here <laughs> that's a baby it looks like a, it looks, do you need it looks to, like a gummy bear right do you need now. me to talk to mike feet. about a pay raise for you <laughs> well congratulations <laughs> congratulations we, we've uh, known we've known we've in this room known a little about this before yeah. today but uh you know i got a Decide when you want to go public with it. Like now, it's over the fifty thousand watts. Now everybody so knows it's out there. We're gonna have one big baby shower with all the listeners. <laughs> yes. Wow. Ooh. Everybody bring a gift. That's a good idea. Can there, I Jimbo? secretly? This is like the worst thing to say as a as a female. I do not enjoy baby showers. I've been one of those people. I don't that's think like, anybody oh. does. I don't think anybody does. Like Except baby. the person receiving all the gifts. <laughs> Emma asked me <laughs> if like I was going to be little, at the baby shower, the and little, I said yes. Oh, of course. Like is there anything worse than hearing? Hey, we have a baby, a couple's baby shower at three o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> oh, that's right in the middle of the day. That's perfect because you weekend. can't do anything. I can eat tiny sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> so right Watch before regular baby season baby. football starts, right? Right. Yeah. Well, so here's the that's great awesome. thing. Here's the great thing. This child could potentially share a birthday with Bo Thompson. I was just about to say, if the baby's a little bit early, you know, you could be targeting a September first. Oh, Bo. So. Yeah. Well, and if and if it's right on time, Labor Day. I mean, you know, now. Laboring on labor. Little Bo Bowls? Yeah, I can't do that. Bo Bowls. Bo Bowls. Bo Bowls. Bo Bowls. 
My dad had a dog named Bo. So <laughs> what would John Moore do? John Moore always calls me Bobo all the time. So Bubbles. He, he say Bubbles. Oh my gosh! Please, I'm so excited for you. But I'm 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 gonna put the I'm gonna put. We should do one of those bets. You know, like you bet on how big like the the weight of the child and how big the the baby's gonna be and what day he's gonna be born on. So I think we should bet on it's Wait, gonna be born on. Is that a thing? People bet on the weight. That's true. Yeah. I've never, it's, really? That's a thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we do it. In my I've family. not been paying attention at these three o'clock Saturday things. Yeah. There was an office episode <laughs> where they actually had those games played uh, planned, and then Jan came in with her baby already born, so the games were. <laughs> He said the games are ruined, and he said yes. the baby doesn't ruin anything, Kevin. The baby enhances it. Well, I have two kids, and my daughter was born when I was used to work on the Keith Larson show, and yeah. he and, and we did like baby updates, and he would call. He called me from the hospital the day the baby was born. My daughter was born, and then he thought it was the the funniest thing because uh, the morning. After she was born, I was going to the hospital, and I called the show, and he asked me how much the baby weighed, and I got it wrong. And 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 I didn't think that was that big a deal, but apparently that was like a big faux pas. Like, I think I, I wasn't off by that much, but he thought it was the funniest thing in the world that I gave the wrong weight. Like, I was so flustered. Walk, and I was flustered. I was well, walking around. <laughs> but, but, I, but I remember, you know, so I— I, whenever genius, Bo. Yes, genius. Whenever, whenever anybody says anything about about the weight of a baby, I I immediately go back to that, thinking, oh, I gotta get this right. I gotta get this right. So we um, can take guesses. So now I can't. I can't get it wrong. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, you won't, I won't. I won't give you. I'm gonna say 34 pounds. 34 pounds. <laughs> I feel so bad for yes, Emma's two months. Uh, I hope Emma's okay. Well, congratulations to Thank Emma. You guys congratulations so much. to you. Awesome. We love you. I and appreciate it. By the way, the greatest thing that happened yesterday is he sent us a picture on our group text of the ultrasound, and and Bo said, "Oh, congratulations, Dad!" And Bernie wrote back, "Thanks, son." <laughs> <laughs> All right. well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you. And, um, and sleep and, now because you'll never sleep. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. You're, You're gonna be the world's best dad. Oh, thanks. WBT. Favorite line. So, you uh, you still haven't recovered from from this little moment yesterday where you learned something that I don't know if all of us, because I have to admit I didn't know it either. But Bernie knew it. Bernie yeah. said it off the air. Bernie knew it. I sent I sent this video to Bo yesterday, and I said, um, how did I not know this until today? Did you know this? And Bo wrote back, no. No, I did not. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was just kind of like, a, well, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't need one right now. I haven't uh, used one today. But next time I do, I'll think about it. Well, I'm, I mean, how many times over the course of my life, especially when I you know, moved into my first apartment by myself and I'm hammering up pictures and stuff, how many times have I hit my thumb trying to get that first nailing? Because I'm sitting there holding the tip of this teeny tiny little nail and then I, and I miss the head. Yes, before broadcasting, Beth was in construction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how is this not on the packaging for all hammers? I mean, I don't know. Hammers don't really come in packaging, but they need to, like scissors, and there need to be instructions on the back that say, for the first hammer nail, for the first, <laughs> for the first hammer nail, for the first nail, use hammer this way. Which is? Do we, 
I mean, I, 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 I can't. Does the video work? It doesn't no, really work audio-wise. if I play wise. it, he, he shows you. So you, it, it just says, okay. I didn't know this. And then he goes and, and does what you're about to explain. So you know how the hammer has the, the head that's flat that you normally hammer with, and then it has the back that looks like pigtails, <laughs> like it has hair. <laughs> The claw <laughs> looks like to pull, a, the, to pull the nail yeah, out. Everybody when you screw calls it up. them pigtails. It looks yes. like sloth fingers. You know, like there's yeah, like sloth the, fingers are called and yeah. and sloth fingers. I have only ever known to use that as the way to remove said nail if right. I have put it in the wrong place or if I need to, you know, get a nail out of the wall. Mm-hmm. Right, guys. This is apparently used to get the first nail in the wall. So where the hair is, where the pigtails are on the back of the hammer. Could you show us the video? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, can, can you play the video on the radio? Even if it doesn't make sense. So where the pigtails are on the back of the hammer, there's apparently a little divot on the other side. You put the nail into that little divot area, that little hair the pigtails hold the nail, and you just conk right into the wall. Let's see if I can. So it holds over. the hammer. It holds the nail in place. Something I didn't know until I was in my thirties. The back of the hammer can hold the nail for the first swing. Nail head, back of hammer, wedge. And then now he's walking over to the wall. Here he goes, and and he's right. First try, right there in the wall. So you put the nail in, it holds the nail in place, and you just conk, and it goes right in. No hitting your thumbs, no smushing your finger, no missing the hammer, no no missing the nail head and putting a hole in your wall. You this is the biggest all news. All things I have done. This is the biggest news since my son Andy told me we're eating bananas upside down all these years. Right? How? How? Wait, What? Oh, y'all know that one? No. So you're supposed to peel, actually, what you would think would be the, the bottom, not where the little handle is yeah. of the banana because that becomes the handle that's how monkeys eat them apparently and you peel like the, the what would be the bottom half down and then you have a handle where like you usually pull that part off first so you peel from the the banana belly button like the yes, little dark the belly, belly button the little dark belly button area as it's so known. all of this is preparing beth for her her, her post radio career in construction and this is what you can eat for lunch. Banana snack, yeah. Well, here, but here, why, why am I just learning this? Why I did not know this. Why is this not taught to me in home ec? Why did I not learn? I took, I took shop. I made a clock out of wood. I uh-huh. hammered together things, uh-huh. and nobody ever taught me that the back of the hammer could hold a nail, so that I could put that first nail into whatever I was hammering without smushing my fingers you or damaging have, anything. You could have made that birdhouse so so much faster. That birdhouse would have been so much easier. I made a bookshelf. I don't read books, and I made a ceramic ashtray, and I don't smoke. <laughs> I would rather have had this. And By the way, is home ex still a thing? Do they still have that in middle school? Shop class. We okay. have that. Well, because because when I was uh, I went to AG, so we had we had uh, I remember it was a, a was sem- AG academically gifted in mm-hmm. your school? Uh, yes, but the school Alexander Graham. Oh. So yes, oh, 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 oh. but we took AG classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I remember we had um, I think it was a semester long class that was that was split up in three different ways. Uh, Pre vocational education they called it. Uh, so one, so half, a uh, third of it was uh, computer literacy. Yeah. The second half was home ec, and then, um, uh, then shop class was the last third. Yeah, we had we we did the same thing. We had home ec. We learned to make boxer shorts. I still have my boxer shorts. <laughs> Wait, you learned what? how to make boxer what? shorts? <laughs> I was was it like pilgrims? 
Who makes their own boxer un- Who makes their own underwear? We made boxer shorts. I had boxer shorts. We went and bought fabric, and I had we made white... biscuits. Well, we made we made biscuits and peanut butter cookies too, but we also sewed boxer shorts with my my my, my cloth that I went and bought was white with little pink and blue and purple and yellow hearts on it, and I made boxer shorts. And I, we bought a pattern, and you cut out the, the pieces, and then we sewed it together. I must have been sick the week we did boxer shorts. I don't remember boxer and shorts. And then we made a clock in shop that worked. A clock? A clock. We made a clock, and it worked. We put a battery in it. You That's had to, a like, big jump you on had boxer to shorts. hollow out the stuff. And then we had like something called like economic vocation was the next semester, and we learned how to write checks and balance our checkbooks. And buy stocks, which I bought Coca-Cola and Xerox. I made no money. And Beth even made an atom splitter. That's how advanced she was. <laughs> I also invented cold fusion. <laughs> that was after she built the clock. <laughs> My clock was so ugly, but we made clocks. Yeah, that's I mean, cool. And boxer shorts. Yeah, that's all, that's, all, that's all you really need in life. Well, I, I've used those skills. I mean, I haven't made any more clocks, but I've used those skills way more than I used, you know, trig. But she couldn't hang up the wall clock after she made it because of the hammer thing. Well, yeah, I put a hole in the wall. But now I know. Did everyone else know this? Did not know this. I did not know it. How? Shouldn't shouldn't that be just part of life that someone should say, "Hey, Beth, put the thing in the ha- put Wait the nail in the hammer." So Bernie knew. Here's the real test. John Moore, have you ever heard of that? I have not heard of that. Okay. I use a pair of needle nose pliers to hold it exactly where I want it. Because the way he's doing it, you could hit a random spot. You you have to be really good with your targeting if you can do it that way. Oh, really? But yeah. Because so I maybe feel he like is. Maybe I feel like if the hair holds the pigtails or holding the nail, I feel like you just right in. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. I need to try it. Does anybody have a hammer? No. Not here. No. I have some boxer shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Candidates making their final rounds. Haley and Trump, and actually this was Trump uh, with Brian Kilmeade just a few minutes ago on Fox. I haven't even heard any of this yet. I'm just dipping in to give you an idea of what's being said today. I mean, it represents something very special. I haven't seen you in a while. You look like you're in fighting shape. How much weight did you lose? Maybe 15, maybe 20. How? Uh, the hard way. I work. <laughs> I've been, no, I've been so busy, I haven't been... I haven't been able to eat very much. Anyway, so uh, he's on the plane talking to Kilmeade. I'm looking up, and Nikki Haley's on uh, Fox and Friends on the couch. And uh, so we're, we're on. The day is here. New Hampshire is here, Brett Winterbull. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens beyond today. Oh, my gosh. What happens beyond today is going to be uh, off the rails because it's 200 and what is it, 287 days till the election. This is going to be, as Newt Gingrich pointed out last night, the longest election run in history if all these things hold uh, hold the uh, hold the line there. Uh, did, did you know what's scary about that is that we everyone is already exhausted. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. We're all kind of in this exhausted phase, right? You know, from the the lead up to this part of the lead up, and you know, one of the big stories this morning um, is the the Dixville Notch story. The the very first votes cast in the New Hampshire primary. It's been a tradition since the mm-hmm. 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, a tiny mm-hmm. town near Canada. They come mm-hmm. in, they vote at the stroke mm-hmm. of midnight. Yep. And all six voters, mm-hmm. all six voters voted unanimously for Nikki Haley. Now, the, the that made headlines because they can say, like, Nikki Haley got 100% of the first votes. I mean, it was six people. But 
the Dixville Notch folks for years and years and years had an uncanny ability of predicting the GOP mm-hmm. nominee, but that went out the window in 2012. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and look, it's like six hillbillies up on a mountain. Uh, and I'm not dismissing them. I'm not dismissing them. It's a nice, it's a, it's a great tradition. But we have to wait and see what, what, what else is going to happen there. Um, all the way around uh, until tonight at 10 o'clock when they when they call it. And so Dixville Notch is very it's they're very it's possible they'll get back on track and they'll, they'll be accurate. I I I I would probably go and canvas people in the Dick's sporting goods uh, <laughs> and, and find out what they're thinking, because uh, they may be a little bit more like a, uh, you know, a, a mashup of uh, people in New Hampshire. So uh, what, what do you expect we'll be talking about this time tomorrow? Uh, meaning what? Not obviously, no, no, about no, I, I know what you're saying. I'm, I'm just trying to think of how I, how I, I, I think, I think, I don't think Nikki Haley's going to quit tonight. I, I don't think she's going to win. I don't think she's going to quit tonight. Uh, I, I think she's going to try to coast to, uh, you know, getting over to South to San. Oh my God, I'm tongue tied. To get to South Carolina, and what's going to happen is if she makes it within, like, say, five or six points, you're going to see the Koch brothers. You're going to see Hollywood. You're going to see South Florida. They're going to start pouring massive amounts of money into her campaign uh, because they're they're going to try to keep her propped up so that she can make it maybe to to uh, Stupor Tuesday. I've been. I was thinking about this in past elections. Candidates who became nominees who didn't do well in Iowa, they didn't do well in New Hampshire, but really exploded mm. on Super Tuesday. I mean, the one I can think of, but he's a Democrat, is is, is Bill Clinton in 92. They called him the comeback kid. Yeah. Um, but in recent memory, I mean, I remember John McCain kind of exploding back onto the scene in South Carolina, but I can't remember anybody making it all the way to Super Tuesday and then becoming the nominee after failing in the first rounds. Yeah, well, it's, 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 a tough, it's a tough thing to, to look at. But you have to also remember, when, when Bill Clinton got uh, momentum out of the, uh, the race in New Hampshire, he was running as sort of a conservative Democrat. Um, it, when when McCain was doing what he was doing, he was running as sort of a, a conservative uh, r- Republican, uh, and that was th- those. That was a different time. Th- these people, those don't, those people don't exist anymore. So this is polarity on both sides, and we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna see anything like that. I, I, I would be shocked. So let me go back to what you were saying here. So you believe that what five percent? If if she's within five percent uh, tonight, then then the, this the thing money is, will pour. The money money will pour in, right? The money pour. Yeah. I don't think she's going to get within five percent, right? But if it was like five percent or better, but that's th- what you, it would need to be. I think. I okay. mean, because yeah. you why? What's what's the Otherwise, what's the deal? I mean, why, well, why are you running? I mean, if it's if it's not that, then as yeah. you and I were talking about yesterday afternoon, you know, it's going to be this gulf between. Yeah. I think it's going to be like seventeen. Yeah, and if that's what it is, then then yeah. you know, it's possible she could be on the stage tonight and concede, and it's over. But if she gets within five percent, it's going to be really interesting between now and Super Tuesday, like you say, because money's going to pour mm-hmm. in on both sides. Trump's going to going to dig in like he's never digged in, and all of his you know everybody but that's Nikki right. Haley. 
But then you have, uh, you know, Joe Biden and the Democrats will see their opportunity as well. So it could get it could flare up in, 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 to an incredible degree. It could. Uh, so tonight's going to be interesting because it's really about uh, how close she gets. And yeah, exactly, um, absolutely. And so that's that's what it all comes down to. And and Dean Phillips, like, let's see how Dean Phillips does, right? I mean, because he's he's been out there doing the work, and you know they're they're not even paying any attention to him. So we'll see. All right. Well, uh, coverage continues throughout the day here on WBT. What's on tap uh, starting at 3 o'clock? Okay, so uh, pay close attention to what's going on in China. The stock market is crashing over there, and Beijing wants to spend multi-trillion dollars in a rescue package. The reason why this matters to you is because this is exactly the sort of thing that could possibly cause a war. This could cause an invasion of Taiwan because she would want to change the subject. Keep an eye on this. This is going to be big. All right, Brett Winterbull, we'll talk to you this afternoon. Thank you. News Talk 1110 WBT, almost 8 o'clock. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993. Worldwide on the WBT mobile app. It is Good Morning BT with Beth and Bo and Bernie and John Moore and the Zoke. Every time we go down this road of where we're about to go, I know it's a hot button issue. I know there are a lot of people out there who have strong feelings about kids sports. Oh, yeah. This is a, a new percentage, a new number that I saw today that caught my attention. And look, uh, I have two kids. They played sports growing up. I've been in the stands at just about everything you could think of. Uh, and some of it's been, you know, high school level. Some of it's just been recreational. I mean, uh, you don't have to be watching your kids at, 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 the, at the highest level, the college level, whatever it is, to be able to identify with this. Because I think it happens at every level. Even if it's just for fun on a Saturday afternoon with some kids in the neighborhood, Parents will get competitive. 70% of kids drop out of youth sports by the age of 13. 70%. That number was significant in my mind. That's according to a new report released on Monday by the American Academy of Pediatrics. Yeah, and and let me actually read. I'm going to read you this paragraph because I think this sort of drills into where I want to go, and hopefully some of you uh, want to chime in on this as well. 704-570-1110. About 70% of kids drop out of organized sports by age 13, and the so-called professionalization of youth sports. It can't be understated as a significant factor why, according to this report. And look, um, when we were coming up, Sports had seasons, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that we played baseball in the spring and into the summer, and then basketball was usually in the wintertime. Yeah, Soccer I... was in the fall, or, or maybe you reversed it a little bit. But what I'm getting at is, more often than not, if a kid plays a sport in 2024, they got to pick one. Well, that was the point from the, the American Academy of Pediatrics. They said the professionalization of youth sports is widely considered responsible for the high volumes of training and the pressure to specialize in a single sport that leads to overuse injury, overtraining, and burnout in youth athletes. So, like you were saying, like you used to play, like, 
I cheered in the the the, the fall. You know, we we cheered for the football team, and then early in the this the the winter sports we did basketball, and then I ran track. We didn't start training until you know like end of February, beginning of March, but the the meets didn't start until April. So it wasn't. It wasn't like I started training for track in August right. and then trained all the way to the next August. Right. I mean, and I think the burnout was the biggest thing out of all of that. I would think obviously injuries and other things factor, but it's like kids have to pick and like, what if they are interested and want to even try? Maybe they're not even as good at a different sport, but they want it. This is when you grow and learn and do different things. And uh, it is in AAU sports and a lot of stuff. And people start thinking about college scholarships and Want their kid to be a starter, not a backup at the high school level. We're going to transfer to a different school because we know we do it in college, but in high school to get more playing time and arguing with the coaches. Like, Bo, we, we had five kids growing up playing every sport. I will encourage you, Bernie, before this gets going, <laughs> discourage your child from doing track because there's nothing more mind-numbing than an invitational with four schools. <laughs> there's no clock. Oh, man. They, no, listen. They, there's no <laughs> clock. You have to put away all the equipment afterwards. It's like 19 hours. To do one track meet. I actually ran track in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I, did it, I did two years in middle school. I didn't like it in middle great school. Workouts. It's I, great workouts. It's a great workout. I ran track in middle school and high school. And I, I just mean as a parent, though, it's like a regular track meet's okay. The invitationals, when there's like four schools, it's like it starts at like two and it ends like on Thursday. My it parents, just goes forever. My parents never came to one of my track meets. <laughs> no. No. The Wayne Heck was too busy. The Wayne Heck didn't come. But I played Little League. And then when Little League was over, I went to camp. I had summer vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were a kid. You know, I know I know uh, kids now that play Little League, and that is like one of four different leagues that they play in in the year-round schedule. And so often now, you choose a sport, and you have to specialize in that sport, and then you're playing it all the time. You don't even have free time anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think this 70% number, you know, you can attribute it to a lot of things. You can attribute it to breakdown, physical breakdown, because of so much repetition. Yes. You can also attribute it to the fact that kids get tired by the age of 13 of having all these voices trying to tell them what they need to be. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, I have been, like I told you, I, when I played, I played recreationally when I was a kid. I was never a high school athlete. Now, I, my, my kids have played high school sports, but not at, not every sport. Uh, but I've been at some level as a parent in the stands of just about everything. And the things that I have seen parents say to kids, yeah. to their own kids yeah. from the stands, the things that I've seen parents say to other parents on the other side, I we were walking out of a softball game one time and one lady wanted to fight somebody on the other parent's bench. See, this breaks my heart because if you're burning your kids out and they're dropping out, if they're one of the part of the 70%, then they're missing out on what sports are supposed to be, the team building part of it, the the hand-eye coordination training, the fun of it. Like you were saying, Jim, learning about what sport you're actually good at. If you start trying to professionalize your kid when they're playing Little League baseball at age five, and then you never give them an opportunity to play soccer or try football, or maybe they're great at lacrosse, maybe they're great at cross-stitching, and you just don't <laughs> let them, you know, like... There's ever. a hack for that where you can just, like, start the first thread with... Right, with a hammer. The, you, you're, you're not letting them explore all of the things that are possibilities because you're putting so much focus and intention, and then they're doing all of this travel right. ball and all of the travel stuff, and then you lack 
downtime. And I'm not saying that some kids, kids aren't good enough that they can make the major league someday. And some kids are so good and such phenoms that all this stuff, um, if that's what they want to do, then more power to that's them. That's the thing. Do they want to? If the kid wants to do right, it. Right, right, right. Then encourage it. But, do you know. they want to? And and is it that the parent wants it more than the kid does? Right. And right? sometimes kids don't necessarily know. They think they want it because their parents want it so much. I know that a lot of my goals when I was young weren't necessarily my goals. They were the goals that were put forth in front of me from other people, if that well, makes sense. I was you can told. say the Waniac. <laughs> Do you remember, what, like growing up, like the Olympics, but like the amateur sports, like they would, it was like you felt sorry for these Russian and East German athletes because they were told at a young age they would be a swimmer or they'd be a gymnast, so they didn't get to live a life. They were like because very young uh, when amateur sports were really the deal. Well, we've become that now. Yeah. Like we're that country where it's like you know when you're six, you gotta know what you're gonna do. And it's our generation doing it. Mm-hmm. How did we become the ones, the parents that are doing that are pushing this? Yeah, uh, it's us. You're it's exactly us. right, Beth. I, I don't want anybody to think that we're thinking that's somebody else. No, this is our generation. It's part of the reason why uh, I, I bring it up because it bothers me. It bothers me because uh, I've seen things out there. I'm not, I'm not a perfect parent, but I've tried. I'll tell you, when we come back, my wife and I were told something by parents of some uh, some older kids that my my kids were, were playing with and they said listen let me give you a, a piece of advice about raising kids in an athletic environment and they told us this and I've never forgotten it and to this day I think it's the best some of the best parenting advice we ever got as it relates to you know raising kids and and trying to have them develop in a in a healthy way and and play sports and love sports but I'll tell you it's very simple but I've never forgotten it, and I think it's uh, well worth repeating here on the 50,000 Watts. This is Good Morning BT. All right, Tigers. Let's get ready to play, huh? I don't want to see any laziness there, okay? We win this, we're in the finals. If we get a big lead, we got to pummel these guys. We got to pummel them at all costs, dominate, and hammer them. I want you to play dirty if you have to, but don't get caught. Young son, stay low, okay? That's easy for you. Just chop block him in the back of the knee. That'll work well. Ambrose, you're big. Don't be afraid to throw the elbow. If you break someone's collarbone, that's a good thing. That's what the medic's for. Otherwise, he's just sitting around, all right? You hear me? Hey, Phil, I don't think that's a very good attitude. You can't talk about hurting other players. You don't think? You don't, you don't think? I don't think you should be butting in when I'm talking to my team. You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me juice boxes when I tell you. Now go get me a juice box. You know who you're talking to? I'm talking to the juice box guy. You're crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty. Why don't you go to hell? No, you go to hell. While you're there, why don't you grab me a juice box? I'm no juice box boy, I'll tell you that. Sadly, sadly this has probably happened. You've probably, as you listen, encountered something close to that. I have. Both of my nephews have played sports, uh, and I have seen the bad behavior in the the stands. Uh, One plays football. They've both played baseball. Uh, my little niece played soccer. I just watched her pick flowers, basically, <laughs> on the field, <laughs> which was fantastic, by the way. Uh, but I've seen the the the. I, uh, the pressure, the the intensity, the anger that comes from the parents 
you know, thrown at the coaches, thrown at the kids. And I'm so disappointed because I can't imagine what that does to the to the young child's self-confidence. You know, our parents embarrass as embarrass us as it is anyway. So that has to be embarrassing. But you also have to feel the sting of that. And, and I... I just am shocked. I'm shocked that it is our generation. What happened in our sports experience when we were kids that made us grow up to be the parents that are now professionalizing little league sports and youth sports that are leading to this article that we've been talking about? The, the American um, Association of Pediatrics is saying that 70 percent of young people leave sports by the age of 13 because of this. So here's the advice that I was given. My wife and I were given early in the game of our kids. And and this is probably the days when they were playing church soccer. And, you know, I remember there's a player on my daughter's team that uh, she would do what the coach said unless she saw somebody on the sidelines that she was more interested in than she'd go sit with them (laughs) while she was in the game. Cool, cool, cool. Or go pick some flowers, (laughs) right? Right, just go pick the flowers. But we were told the most important thing of all that you can say to your kids When they play in a game, I don't care if they did really well, they did poorly. The one thing that you should always say to them is, I love watching you play. Not you played well or you should have done this or you should have done that or you should have done it differently. Just I enjoy, I love watching you play. Because that right there conveys the notion that you're there just to see them enjoy being a kid. Except, Beth, for your dad, because he'd be lying since he wasn't there. (laughs) I love watching you play, but you weren't there. You weren't there, Dad. Or he was angry that you lost. Well, well no. the Waniac would say, "I'd love to watch you play." My dad, to his to his credit, he did help. He was a track guy in high school and college, and he did train me. So we would train okay, on well, the weekends. Mm-hmm. He would train me to run the uh, the hurdles because I was a hurdler, well, and he was go. a hurdler. So, but that means more. Yeah, you're right. As far as like the coach or anybody else, that knowing that mom and dad are watching you, right? That but is saying, the thing. I love watching you play. That just filled my heart up. I I wish that somebody had said that to me. I wish somebody had said, you know, like. My youth was spent mostly on a stage, and I know that's but and I wish somebody had I just, love to watch you in the play. I, yes, I love to watch <laughs> you in the play. We I love, love listening to you on the radio. I love to watch you sing. You know, like those like <laughs> that would have been so great rather than you looked fat in that dress. <laughs> Your father said that to no. you. Oh, okay. It was an example. No. But you know, but like, that that phrase I just said, you could say that to a senior in high school. You could say that yeah. to somebody who's on the t-ball team in kindergarten. I love to watch you play. Or I love to watch you sit on the bench. <laughs> that's, not, that's not helping, Mark. I'm sorry. I love <laughs> to watch you play. That is so powerful. <laughs> All right. I'm done for the day. That's what I came to do. All right. Uh, let's go back to the Will you say that to me in the commercial break that you love to watch me sit over here and talk? Oh, we <laughs> love to tell you about dirty restaurants, too. Oh, that's Oh, great. that's right. That's why I came back to it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's time for Order up. Dirty oh, yeah. Restaurant Tuesday. Waiter, there's a fly in my soup. Could you do something about it? No. Mark Garrison joins <laughs> us for another rousing edition here. Yes, sir. I just want to say it before we start. Beth, I like watching you work. <laughs> Aww. Why does that why does well, it sound creepy when you say it? Wait, I know, wait. really. It's like, She's going to say back to you, Mark, I like to watch you eat. <laughs> Mark, I love uh, to watch you eat at dirty restaurants. It, uh, <laughs> 
Well, I try to avoid those. Dirty restaurants. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So we have one. Uh, we go down to Indian Land first. Uh-oh. Just across the line in South Carolina. Do you go there often, Beth? No. <laughs> I've lived here for like 30 years. I still have to pause for a second and go, go Indian Trail, Indian, Indian Land. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, really. yeah. All right. It's the Aroma Bar and Indian Grill. <laughs> I'm already out. I know. Yeah. Well, they had an 83. <laughs> Observed employees, that's multiple employees, not washing their hands. Mm, Ooh, that I, sounds like a delightful aroma. Yeah. I was, that's what I was thinking. Speaking of aromas, yeah. <laughs> Where have those hands one. been? Uh, like Observed vada curry with a date on it that indicated it was well expired. Oh, no. Some goat that was well expired. And then something called pav pashu. I don't even know what that is. But it was way out of date back in from back in December. <gasps> Say that and they again. were still going to serve it. What's serve it called? It. Pav pashu. Yeah. I don't care. Because who knows? I would Google it if I came and spell it. <laughs> they had eggs that were out of date as well. So just a lot of stuff out of date there. Uh, let's see. And, oh, you'll like this, Beth. The employee's cell phone was on the cutting board where they were cutting <laughs> meat. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh. Probably the dirtiest surface that you can come across. Yeah, yes, really. and we put that up to our faces, guys. <laughs> and then we contaminate our meat with it. And then they're contaminating meat with it. Yep. Uh, the facility had multiple large pots, which were so big they couldn't put them in the sink to wash them, so <laughs> they weren't washing them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have never thought about the big pots not being able to be washed because they're too big to be washed. Too big, so it's like, man, eh, we'll just keep using it. You just need, like, a washing shower. <laughs> We tried. <laughs> so that's the Aroma Bar and Indian Grill and Indian Land and 83. That's low. That's low. I was trying to look up well, Pav Especially Kashir, in South Carolina. Yeah, you couldn't find it. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to spell it. But Pav is a bread. Wait, you just read it. You it's a it? bread. Oh, it is? It okay. is. It's a bread. So some kind of nasty bread there. <laughs> Moldy bread. Cheesy bread, probably, is yeah. probably what it was. Without cheese in it. Uh, uh, Taqueria Giovata Latina. If I said that right, the plaza, 85. And a repeat violation. The person in charge washed his hands for less than 20 seconds. Mm. I love it when they count. You know, the inspector's going, one, two, Happy three. birthday, dude. Yep. Happy birthday. Uh, observed debris and dishes that were greasy and dirty to the touch that were stored as clean. <gasps> the inspector was like, no, you're going to wash those nasty things again. Uh, Al Pastor and some other items were too warm. They were being held at the wrong temperature. That was a uh, repeat violation. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, and the Al Pastor was also way out of date. Oh, my God! So it had to be thrown out. Uh, frozen tamales and chicken had no date on them at all, so it's like anybody's guess, and that was a repeat violation. And uh, they had spray bottles with stuff in them, and they were not labeled. So <laughs> the inspector was like, get rid of this stuff. We right. don't even know what it is. And where are they spraying it? Well, that's right. Are you putting it on food, on your hair, or what? Yeah. On your hair. <laughs> it's like that you know, the body wash. You do everything. <laughs> the, like the axe stuff. <laughs> we wash oh. our hair. We spice our food. Hey, yeah. we do it all. It's like a Windex for my big, fat Greek wedding. <laughs> I thought you were going to go somewhere else with your big, fat, but never mind. No. Uh, Taqueria Giovata Latina is what uh, that place is called, an 85 and a half and one more here if we have a second uh the asian walk on park road 88 and a half uh 
Let's see. What, oh, yes. The, they, ha, they did not have a health policy in place, so the employees did not know, hey, if you're sick, don't come to work. Mm-hmm. And they said they need to post that policy in Spanish, English, and Chinese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they got a multicultural workforce there. Uh, let's see. Observed uh, employees coming in from outside, not washing their hands, starting to handle food. They had raw chicken and raw meat stored over the sauces in the walk-in oh. cooler. Again, drippy Again. meat. Yeah. Drippy meats over things. That's exactly right. Uh, the three-compartment sink was very dirty, and they were chopping up food there. In the sink? Uh, by the sink, yeah, where it was really dirty. There you go. Dirty food surface. Uh, utensils were dirty, and they were stored as clean. And other clean equipment uh, was in contact with raw chicken. Mm. I'll tell you what, this this segment makes me want to bring my own silverware places. Would it be weird if I just brought my own silverware? Like, I brought like my a, own fork. Like a little white napkin. I got my fork. I got my napkin. Bring I'm, my own napkins. I'm still stuck on the very first one where you said the expired goat. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's the ruling on goat? How long is that good for? Yeah, that's a good question. Have you ever had goat? Oh, yeah. Really? It's actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. I've never yeah. had goat. I think it's oh, pretty yeah. good. Oh, yeah. I've eaten goat. How about duck? I love had duck. Had duck. Love had duck. sheep. Had snake. I've had lamb. I've had I've had squirrel roadkill. Had a big Ooh, appetite. Hate it. not just goat, but sh- or uh, uh, lambs, but sheep. <laughs> sheep. <laughs> sheep chops. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't don't do the roadkill with the uh, squirrel. Mm. Mm, I've never no tried good. squirrel. The guy named Eustace Conway, who was uh, Eustace. He is on. He's on the Discovery Channel as a mountain man. But uh, years ago, I did a story on him when he lived in a teepee near Boone. And he said, I want to feed you lunch. I said, okay. And so he pulled this big pot out from under a pile of leaves oh. and put it on the fire. And it was, yeah, it was It was kill squirrel. squirrel. I can just hear the story. Meet Eustace. <laughs> he was in a teepee near Boone. <laughs> pulled out right. a pot from the leaves. Feeding me squirrel. <laughs> Fed me some roadkill. All right. Thank you, Mark. Yes, sir. News Talk 1110 WBT. New Hampshire. The vote is on. Tonight we'll find out whether President Trump moves on as the lone candidate or whether Nikki Haley will be close enough in the vote that she'll stick around for at least a couple more rotations. Candidates making the final rounds last night, trying to appeal to as many voters as possible. Mark Meredith in New Hampshire. Former President Trump rallying in Laconia, and he had quite the entourage. Multiple former presidential candidates, including Senator Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Governor Doug Burgum, took to the stage trying to sell the Trump idea to these New Hampshire voters. And Trump himself made it clear he thinks this race is over. The Republican Party is becoming more and more unified, and it is. And you see what happened? I mean, we had a very good competitor, Ron, as you know, Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, and he uh, fought hard, and he fought well, and now we have one left. And that one left to be former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, but she says she is gaining real momentum here in New Hampshire. And while she has backed off those earlier claims that she was going to win this state outright, she says what happens in the Granite State certainly could reset the Republican race once and for all. But I'll promise you this. If you join with me in this movement, if you go to the polls tomorrow and take five people with you, and you commit to getting us back on track. I will spend every single day proving to you 
that you made a good decision. Now, we talked uh, earlier to Brett Winterbull, who believes that uh, if Nikki Haley gets within 5 percent, that'll be enough for her to continue on and uh, perhaps try to make this, uh, you know, a race by Super Tuesday. If she does not, you know, a lot of people think if if Trump steamrolls her tonight, uh, this is it for her. She will get out and then uh, you'll have two. You have a lone candidate on either side. Well, and the polls have been all over the place coming out of New Hampshire. Some of the polls have had her within that 5% um, point that you're talking about of potentially getting um, tons of support from big financial donors. But then there are other polls that come out that have her behind by 15 18 percent. And it's because New Hampshire is such a difficult place to poll because of the unaffiliated voter. Now, there has been... A great deal made about the unaffiliated voter in New Hampshire. Democrats can't vote in the Republican primary. Only the unaffiliated voters can vote in the Republican primary. They could vote in the Democratic primary if that's what they choose. That happens here in North Carolina as well. If you are an unaffiliated voter, an independent voter, then you can choose which primary you want to uh, vote in. But it's been really hard to poll that area um, accurately. I can't decide what I think is going to happen. I, you know, the the Dixville Notch uh, race or the 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 vote that happened there. It was only six people voting in that little tiny town right outside of Canada, right there at the border of Canada. Um, all six people voted for Nikki Haley. That has been a number that people have looked at in the past. There was an entire episode of The West Wing based on that little tiny area. The name of that episode was called Hartsfield Landing. It wasn't Dixville Notch, but it was based on the fact that this tiny little percentage of people predicted who a nominee was going to be. That could play a part in it. Maybe people see that. Maybe people in New Hampshire put a lot of weight on that, and they see that, and they think, huh, and maybe it changes their vote before they head out to the polls. I don't know, but all I do know is that my eyes are going to be glued to this all day long. So she went six for six in Dixville Notch. Yes. She's going to have to do a lot better than that in order for this thing to be prolonged. She needs prolonged. more than six. Yes, but, uh, you know, if she goes uh, if she go, goes the 100%, then, then, then wow, this is going to be a race. But right. uh, tonight, percentage and how close she gets to Trump. And, of course, I guess she, she could win it, but now she's even backed off of that projection. And I think now you're talking about how close can she get right. for this thing to go beyond tonight. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Tuesday morning, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, and we're now joined by our good friend Brett Jensen, Ace WBT reporter and the host of Breaking with Brett Jensen, weeknights, 7 o'clock here on The Great Colossus. Good to see you. Good to be here, I think. What's, what's, <laughs> going, on? what's going on? I'm just giving him the stink eye. <laughs> what, what happened? Well, okay, I, uh, I, I, you know, I 
take little tinkle breaks every now and again over the course of a show. And I was headed down the <laughs> headed down the hallway, and Brett was here already, and he's usually not here on time. So I said, "Oh, <laughs> you're you're here early," and he looks at me and he's like, "Man, you look tired." <laughs> <laughs> the first thing he says to me. And I was like, dude, you don't tell a woman in her late 40s that she looks tired. Well, it's still early in the morning. It's not like I did it at 3 in the afternoon. I am tired today. Beth, you, you look like you got plenty of sleep last night. Thank I just you. want you to know that. Thank you. You could say, Beth, your oh, concealer so looks great. Oh, this is the normal look then. Yeah. Okay. This is what I look like. Yeah. This is what late 40s <laughs> what looks look like, like with sleep. <laughs> this is what I look like now. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to lead you to water, and then you just like kicked the kicked the I ball know. out of the I way. I wasn't even going to mention it. I wasn't even going to mention it. I just smiled at him. Actually, She's I didn't. Just smile. looking at me like giving me the the daggers out of the eyes. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know, this is just what. This I didn't is mean what it in a bad way. Like. I just meant that you look like you're tired. Cool. <laughs> that's a, the best compliment I've gotten all day. Well, it was supposed to be a compliment. It was an observation. Well, you know, oh, you know how long this show is. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, no, we, we, we love this show. We love having you here. You've had a big week. Uh, you had a, an exclusive interview last week that ran in two parts on your show on Thursday and Friday. And uh, thus far, uh, easily the most access anybody has been given one-on-one to the CMS superintendent, Crystal Hill. And probably the most access that anyone has been given to at least the last two superintendents when you include Ernest Winston. Um, and I don't know about Clayton Wilcox before then, but um, I would find it very hard to believe that anyone got an hour of one-on-one time over the course of two days to sit down with any of the superintendents recently. So, you know, we we did that. She was um, extremely nice with her time to be able to do that. And um, we went in a lot of areas that most most news outlets aren't going to go into, especially TV stations, because they've got – at best, and a special 10 minutes of, you know, video if they're doing a special. But, you know, I did it for a full hour and was able to ask a lot of different questions on a lot of different topics, um, and including, you know, teachers. Um, they can hire the teachers. They can't keep them. Um, they've had over a dozen people quit in the finance department over the last six months. And, and that's the finance department. I mean, that has nothing to do with academics. And then you see what happened. On Thursday and Friday, with the teachers getting the extra bonuses and then going, oh, our bad. We have to take that back. That was a by mistake that you guys got the bonus. And so, I mean, there was a, but we talked about a lot of things. We talked about, I mean, the chief operations officer, Brian Schultz, who really campaigned for her to come in and get the job at CMS, that he has turned in his resignation and he's going to retire extremely early. Like he's, I mean, he's put in his time, but he's still, I believe, in his, Early 50s, late 40s, early 50s. You know, he put in his his 25 years. And so he's leaving uh, or retiring, I should say. And so we went into all these things that you generally are not going to find in other media outlets. So it was was pretty good. And I will say this. The one thing she didn't do is give non-answer answers. So that... I may not agree with some of her answers, but that's irrelevant. Or I may think some of her answers are not accurate, but she didn't give non-answer answers. She didn't give political answers. That's great. I mean, that's a great quality to have from a leadership, right? I agree with you. 100% I agree with you. 100%. Did you uh, leave on terms that make you think that she'll do it again? Yeah, so it's funny you asked that, Bo. Uh, So 
we, as we're leaving, two things on on the first day uh, as she's leaving, you know, because there had been a lot of people within CMS that said, you might want not want to do this with Brett. You know, you might not want to do this. And she did it, to her credit. And then at the very end, on Friday, the first day, I said, see, I just jokingly said, I said, see, I don't bite. And then she said, Brett, I don't bite either. I said, okay. So then the next time we show up on Tuesday morning, uh, I ended the interview and I said, okay, now, because I, you know, I went after some pretty hard things and challenged her on some a lot of stuff. And then at the end, I said, okay, let's end this on a good note for you. She goes, Brett, this has all been good. She goes, you're giving me a chance to explain and tell our side of the story. I said, great. So she seemed to be fine. And I sent her a personal email um, Tuesday afternoon telling her, you know, I appreciated her time and that she didn't have to give, give me all that extra time more than she's ever given anyone else. And just told her I really appreciated it. So when we come back, I've got a clip from it because, I mean, this was a, a pretty lengthy interview over, over two nights that was on your show. But we've got a, a, a piece coming up, which I don't know what we're about to hear because I haven't heard this part yet. This one is about uh, teachers and what they're trying to do to find out why all the teachers are leaving. They can get them hired. They just can't keep them. Well, and uh, when they, they get a, an unexpected bonus and then find out they have to, have to give it back, uh, <laughs> I can't imagine that's going to uh-uh. do wonders. This latest story that Mark's By the way, you know who the today. first person that reported the story about the bonuses? It was you. Oh, no. Oh, no. I found out, like, every, with everyone else, I found out Friday. People Magazine. I'm not even joking. People Magazine has a Charlotte correspondent, and they're the ones that broke the story. Wow. People Magazine. They know people. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, I, I I looked at the author. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. But yeah, People Magazine broke that story. 913 on WBT. So Brett Jensen got scooped by, by People Magazine? Hey, if you're going to get scooped, be, yeah. be scooped by a national outlet. That's right. Well, uh, and, and you scooped everybody else in Charlotte Media with this uh, this hour-plus interview, which we'll hear some of next with the CMS Superintendent, Crystal Hill. <laughs> yep, Tuesdays are the days he does not have shuffleboard games scheduled. I'm just kidding. There are much more activities where you are. I mean, it's got a concierge, so, I mean, you know. The Brett Jensen palatial estate that I got to see over the holidays. Not not the inside, but I got to leave something for him at the front desk. You weren't allowed so, actually yeah. into yes, the premises. You right. just stopped it. It was stopped by the concierge. Yeah. Dropped off an adult beverage for the holiday season. You're like um, <laughs> you're like uh, Grubhub for, yeah. for for Jensen. I mean, I'm sure I would have been invited up. It's just that he wasn't there. He was off playing golf. Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, of course I would have shown you, I've shown you around. I mean, it would. If you had thirty minutes for me to show you the place, yeah. <laughs> thirty minutes. It would, it would take that long to see every room, right? I just want to come and see your kitchen. <laughs> no, it's 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 good. It's good. All right. So speaking of the kitchen, you've been cooking up some big interviews lately. And oh, this... look what he did there! <laughs> he is a master. He is a professional, ladies he and gentlemen. Is... That's called a professional. It is. I mean, shocking how good he is <laughs> at this stuff. Little, that was a little too. Uh, I don't even know if I liked that one. No, I loved it. I. You're so good at this. Okay, I'll double down. Chef Jensen. Yeah. You had a show last week. Who was a guest in your kitchen? Uh, well, see, last week Thursday and Friday, I. 
Dr. Crystal Hill. And this is a big interview because no one else has been granted the access that you got. And you guys, you talked for a long enough period that you played it over two nights on your show. And Z still didn't use half of it. Wow, oh, it's like, a, like the, the bonus DVD. Yeah. Uh, deleted scenes coming out later. I, yeah, I think I'm going to string it all together. Yeah. For a podcast, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, you ought to call that, um, what was the name of your old podcast? Oh, uh, outside the line. No, that's the ESPN. off the beat. Off the beat. Yeah, off the beat. You should, you should, you should reboot it with mm -hmm. that interview. Anyway, let's talk about the interview that did air. This is part of it. When you talk to teachers, are you finding out teachers are finding out why they're not staying or why they're leaving? Have you, when you're trying to figure out, okay, we get them, but they're not all staying. Have you found out yeah. why? Well, we do have a general, like, it's not robust. And so that's one of the other things that I've asked Nancy to work on is really taking a really good look at the employee life cycle, not just when people exit, but like, we need to have a pulse on what, how people are doing when they first get here. Like, tell us about your onboarding experience. You know, kind of like you get the customer service. You know, did you feel like when you got to your school, you were well prepared? Did your principal support you? Blah, 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 blah. So she's working on that. Generally speaking, for, um, you know, a lot of our teachers are retiring. So that's thing one. We have a great retirement system in North Carolina. If you were hired before they did some different things at the state. So a lot of our teachers are taking advantage of that. We are finding that some of our newer teachers are really having a hard time because they came in as COVID teachers. They only came in knowing how to teach through a virtual aspect. And then when they get to in-person, it, it becomes a little bit difficult. So lots of different reasons. Um, Sometimes pay happens as well. Um, it's expensive to live in Charlotte or the Mecklenburg County um, area. And so while our supplement is really high compared to others, it's just really expensive to live here. But those are some of the reasons, um, generally speaking. And it's just, it is hard to teach. It, it, it's a lot. It's a lot different, certainly when I was in the classroom, even being a principal is really hard. The things that people have to deal with so much now is so much different than it was years ago, which is why... Um, I'm really, really tight on making sure that our job is to support principals and to support teachers so they can do what's best for our kids. That's why we're here. It's not for any other reason. And quite frankly, if they're not here, we don't have a job. So we better figure out how to serve them. So you can hear that entire interview uh, online, Brett Jensen, uh, Breaking with Brett Jensen podcast that uh, is posted each night. Have you gotten, what kind of feedback have you gotten since this aired? Uh... I've got quite a bit, actually, and, you know, that question specifically, um, someone who works within central office said that while a lot of the teachers were hired during COVID, um, were, you know, Zoom teachers, they said that's just simply not true. They said we couldn't find anybody. We, we couldn't find anyone to deliver things. Nobody had jobs. There was mass shortages of teachers during COVID. You know, people were quitting, if you remember, like at one point, they had to delay the opening of CMS because they didn't have any cafeteria or bus drivers, cafeteria workers or bus drivers. And so there were people saying that's just factually inaccurate. While there may have been a few, not a, a, a large amount like she's saying. And that's, that's not me saying that. That's others within CMS saying that. And so, um, but yes, but I did get a lot of feedback and some people like upset at some of the things that she said. Some people agreeing with the things that she said. Um, a lot of people were surprised that I was able to get a, like a full two days with her or, you know, 
an hour over the course of two days. What was the the thing that you learned that you were surprised by, or that you found um, that you agreed with her on that you were that was unexpected to you? That's a great question. That's a really good question. Oh yeah. gosh, I, 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 I'd actually have to think about that, Beth. I, that's a really good question to look at both ends of the spectrum on that. Um, because, you know, you go in to interview people that, not you, I'm just saying mm-hmm. as a general, the general you, when you talk with uh, people who are in leadership roles, they're, sometimes people surprise you and, and surprise you in a good way. Uh, it can also happen that you're surprised in a bad way. I know that I've interviewed people that I thought I had a lot of respect for, and then you hear them answer some questions and you think, wow, you just... You lost me there, you know, but there I, I always love hearing the thing that is positive, that changes the way that you might view somebody or the lens that you might see somebody through. Those kinds of interviews are always, to me, the most fascinating ones because it, it, it might, um, I don't know, open your heart, open your mind. Not you, again, the right. general you. Right. Well, you know, the, I will say that just sitting here trying to think about it because, like I said, that's a really good question. Um, the, I will say that. There were t- when I brought up very specific people. Generally, the way CMS says that's a personnel issue, we don't discuss personnel. She never once said that. When I would bring up very specific people, I okay. think I brought up one, two. I know I brought up I brought up four different people, five different people. I brought up five different people, and not not once did she say, "I can't talk about." That's sort of where I was going when I asked, what's the response been? Did you hear from any of the people that you all talked about in that interview? I did. I heard from I heard from at least one. Yeah, I heard from one. I heard they, they said, oh, and, and this was what it was. Oh, I heard I mentioned in your interview. And that's how that that's how. The, and I said, I said, yes, you are. I said rather prominently. And because it was a question that I was asking about salaries and I said because the perception is that you brought in your people with making more money than they've ever made in their entire lives coming into CMS this cash cow I said the perception is you raised everyone else's salary like their her cabinet just so she could bring in these two people at such high salaries I said this person started at 140 I said and then like nine months later got a raise that you gave her and then shortly after that you gave her another raise up to over two hundred thousand. So she went from like in the mid one forties to over two hundred thousand in a few six months, eight months. Wow. And so, uh, so and the, so you know, and Dr. Hill was like, "No, that's not accurate. That's not." It's like, "No, it it, it is." Here's and, the printout. And then she said, and then she said, to her credit, she goes, "You know, as I say this out loud and start talking through it, you're correct. That actually happened." She said, "But it has nothing to do with the fact that I was trying to give." my friends or people that I know hire salaries because she says she doesn't hire her friends. She hires people that are qualified. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Tuesday morning, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, Brett Jensen's with us. So you've been following this story. Uh, This is, of course, today's voting day in New Hampshire. And a good number of New Hampshire voters actually got a robocall yesterday. Now, robocalls are nothing new. 
But this robocall, listen to this robocall. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. You recognize that voice? I do. I mean, it sounds janky. It doesn't sound smooth. It sounds like somebody pieced it together, and it doesn't sound, it's not a smooth transition all the way through. It's not a smooth transition. It's choppy. But it sounds like Joe Biden, The right? voice does, yes. Now, you're a, you're a radio guy. You're a broadcast professional, so you your ear is sort of trained to hear those those edit points you talked about, right? Yeah. Fair yeah. yes. point? Yes, and, that's and, fair. And, and, and so you're actually a, a good person to have in here as an example. A lot of people don't realize Brett Jensen does not use headphones. Correct. So if, Which freaks me out, by the way. If you're walking through Why? the room— Why? Do you, do you use headphones when you're having conversations with people? Always. On the radio. On the radio. Like, if you were doing like this, I can hear you just like we're having a normal conversation. But you I don't, can't hear the production. I, I, I got him two feet from me. What are you, talk, <laughs> what are you talking about? Hello. <laughs> All right. My point is, is that you, your ear, even if you, whether you choose to wear headphones or not, you work in the business. So you're sort of looking out for edit points and stuff like that. If that same piece of audio is played and somebody's walking through the room and hears it on a speakerphone. Or, or maybe it's, you know, like, like a senior. A lot of times we hear about seniors who get duped because they hear uh, the, these people that call them and, and, and are masquerading as someone else or they yep. actually use real voices. You can see how this kind of thing could happen. If you heard that and you're just walking through the room and you're not, you don't have headphones on or you're not scrutinized, it, you might say that really is Joe Biden. That was not Joe Biden, even though he used this word. What a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> the yeah, malarkey. Yeah, word. yeah. All right, so that robocall, not Joe Biden, was sent to a good number of New Hampshire voters yesterday. Right, encouraging Democratic voters to not vote in the primary. So um, I've been curious ever since as to what our cybersecurity expert, Teresa Payton, had, had to say about this, what she think about all this, because she's been warning us about robocalls and AI for years. Uh, Teresa's on with us right now. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Beth and Bo. And this is not a robocall deep fake audio. This is really mean. It's great to talk to you. <laughs> so when you heard this yesterday, what did you think? Well, I, I was disappointed that this day is here. I mean, Beth and Bo, we've been talking about this for a while. and um, and But there are a couple of things. That I think the good news is is that if you are in a moment where you pick up that phone and you listen – there's a couple of things that are off, right? His voice sounds a little hollow. His cadence isn't uh, President Biden's normal cadence of his voice. Um, and it does sound a little kind of like recorded, robotic, over-edited. Um, so I think if you have a moment to pay attention, it's obvious. But the question is, what happens the next time when it's not so obvious? I think the other thing that um, really struck me was whoever did this to the voters of New Hampshire – they went that extra step. They actually spoofed the phone number. So when you got that robocall coming into your cell phone, the caller ID said that it was from um, Kathy Sullivan. And um, so you might think it, it sort of gives it an air of authenticity. Kathy Sullivan is the former state Democratic Party chair who runs a super PAC for the Biden campaign. So I, I, there's so much to unpack here. How do you and can can 
I, I don't know, law enforcement. I don't know who looks into this. How do you find who's behind it? And if it's someone, if it's a nefarious actor outside of the U.S., say it's in Russia, say it's Iran. I mean, because we know that foreign entities, foreign governments are and have quote unquote hacked into our election process, you know, by by sending out misinformation, disinformation. And this is kind of the next level of that. What can be done if this isn't somebody within the United States? Not a whole lot, unfortunately. And again, this goes back to we don't have international accords that really talk about um, meddling in other countries' elections. And if you if you have citizens found to be meddling in other people's elections, other countries' elections, what are the repercussions for that? And, uh, you know, it, it, here we are. The technology has outpaced the international laws and the international agreements on this. And, you know, to your point, Beth, um, it, it, how are we going to do attribution on this? So obviously there's an investigation underway. But I'm assuming that the platform that was used to generate the deep fake audio, probably a free platform. The platform that was used to spoof the phone number, if it is a paid-for marketing platform, they probably used aliases. Um, might have even set up a shell American company to pretend it was coming from an American company. We saw um, where na- nation states did this in the 2016 and 2020 elections where they set up fake companies and then used those to tap into marketing resources, which could be used for good, but in this case, obviously used to try to manipulate voters. Well, and you can see it happening on both sides. They could very easily have done the same thing with president and, you know, said something like, hey, you know, uh, no need to come out. Uh, the weather's bad. We've already got this thing in the bag and try to manipulate numbers that way. And, and again, when you listen, I'm glad you said what you said about the, the you, you can hear the slight edits in, uh, in the, the audio that we played. But we're we were expecting to hear that, right? Like if somebody said, I want you to hear this fake audio, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd be listening for, for notifications or indications that something was off. If you hear that audio and you're just passing by, right. or sometimes when you see, hear something, you know, that goes through a couple of layers of, of, uh, of barrier, like, like uh, if we're talking right now uh, in this microphone, there are certain edits that you can't hear if that passed through the filter of a phone, right? Well, and if you're busy, say you're making dinner that, while yeah. you're listening to this and you're listening to it on your speakerphone in a voicemail form yeah. or, you know. So instead I mean, of instead of, uh, you know, concentrating all your attention to just that audio that we played, listen to it as if you're walking through a room and you're walking, you know, th- those things can be missed. Yeah, and when yeah. the voice sounds that close and and and, and, it, and sometimes it is that voice, it's just taken because we've done this on the air, Teresa, where you actually, you know, I may, Beth and I did this on the air one day where we had uh, you and me uh, talking to each other. Then you plug that into a system. Now, what it spit out wasn't verbatim us, but I've heard other examples of where it did it a lot better, and this is one of those cases. No, it is. And again, I think for everybody listening to your show, a couple of things to think about. So if you get one of these robocalls, and you're right, it could just as easily be Trump's voice or one of the candidates that have dropped out of the race, their voice. It only takes about 30 seconds of somebody's voice that you can pull from anywhere, a news interview, our radio interview, and then you can plug it into these deep fake audio platforms and have it saying things that person never said Mm -hmm. um, with some level of, you know, kind of audio fidelity where it sounds like, well, I don't know, maybe Teresa or Bo or Beth said that. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. So if you get one of those calls, one of the things you can do is take part of what they said and go to the campaign website 
and see on the campaign website, are they saying the same thing? So if it's saying things like, you don't need to go out and vote, or you need to take this action, go look at the campaign website and see whether or not on the official website it resonates what was just sent to you. That's going to be the best way to do your fact-checking. To your point, you might be busy, you might be cooking dinner, you might be driving the kids somewhere when you're hearing this voicemail. And so that can be a great way to sort of just cross-check by going to a different official source. we got to stop it there. We're up against the clock. Teresa, uh, thank you. We'll watch this story and stay in touch with you. Thank you, Beth and Bo. Be safe out there. Also want to uh, remind you that Teresa's book, Manipulated, Inside the Cyber War to Hijack Elections and Distort the Truth is going to be out in its latest edition, new edition, with added uh, information that she's uh, provided there. That's going to be due and that's going to be available in April. But the the link to pre-order the book is online today, Amazon.com and wherever you get books online. So uh, I'm I'm excited about this. And you've read the first version. Yes, and it is worth the pre-order to get this updated. And I've read the first version, too. We've all read the version, but not this version because it's the updated version. But we always like to let you know when things uh, by Teresa are out there because she is always working hard and bringing the, the latest information. Final moments here with Brett Jensen, Bo and Beth on a Tuesday. Got to get your take on this hiring of Dan. I mean, I, I, I can't believe this. Or can I believe this, that they have made, made the decision to hire Dan Morgan as their GM, even though Dan Morgan was the assistant GM for the guy that just was here that uh, essentially <laughs> led us to nowhere? The only thing I can think of is that the, all the GMs said, all right, I'm going to bring in my people, bring in yeah. this, I'm going to bring in, and maybe Dan wasn't a part of their plans, the other GMs that they were talking about their plans, and maybe they didn't want to keep them. And so... Dave kept him. Um, you know, look, Dan has worked his way up through the ranks. Um, at one point, he held the NFL record for the most tackles in a Super Bowl, I believe, um, you know, as a linebacker and when, when he played for the Panthers. Then had to quit because of concussions. Um, and then, but he's worked his way up through the ranks, and he's now he's the general manager. The, the, the big question is, is there going to be, like every other team has, a vice president of football operations, a buffer that acts as a buffer between David Tepper and Morgan and the new head coach. Because right now there is none. That's why Dave's constantly on the phone, calling people and inundating them with all his ideas and thoughts and concerns as opposed to having a buffer. And just about everyone has a vice president of football operations. Well, that's what I was kind of getting at is that you could see Carolina Panthers fans waking up day going – Wait a minute, what? Like, this is the part of the old regime that you just tried to yep. end. Right. And then the other side is, okay, this is a guy who, I mean, he goes all the way back to being a linebacker for the team and has worked his way all the way up. Yep. Uh, you would say, done it the right way, right? Paid your dues. I think the only thing that makes it a little bit hard to swallow if you're a Panthers fan is he just was part of the previous administration. Right, and now, you feel like it's just more of the same. Right, but maybe it's not. Maybe that was the problem that this guy didn't get a chance to do his well, thing. maybe. You know, and he was part of the scouting department before that. And so someone someone actually sent me a text message yesterday and said, do you think the Panthers will fire all their scouting departments, start all over again? Because obviously their draft picks have not been very good. Mm-hmm. And Morgan used to be a scout, and he was part of the decision-making process. And he may be one of the reasons. I don't No one will know if he wanted Bryce Young or didn't want Bryce Young. Like, no one will know. But 
yeah, that's it was very head scratching. And they hired a consulting firm. They hired an outside consulting firm to find their next general manager. I want to be in a. I want to be paid to be a consultant. That's just like I ah, just hire the guy that's already there. <laughs> By the way, he should check for a hundred thousand dollars. This this meeting doesn't need to be in person. Uh, you know, we'll just zoom it, and I'll tell you that guy standing right beside you that I can see in the video. Him. Him. Yeah. yeah. Him. I don't know why I said that. Him. 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 